It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. Uh, I'm Christopher Harris. Joined by Kartik Krishnaya. It has been a couple of weeks since we've had the last episode. And so, first of all, let's bring everyone up to speed on, on what's been happening. Um, so, for the, the listeners who may not know, both Kartik and I are in Florida. Uh, personally, we weren't uh, impacted by the hurricane, but I know Kartik was tweeting, and, and, and thankfully, Kartik, you did a great job, as always, uh, t- tweeting the information about what was happening in terms of. Um, county by county evacuations so much detail there um, and then on my side more so in terms of keeping the business running but also making sure that our employees who are sprinkled throughout Florida full-time employees making sure that they were okay and um, also taking care of my family and my parents and, and making so anyone who's gone through a hurricane will know it's a pretty exhausting period because um, you know it's coming there's days of preparation oftentimes afterwards too there's 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 days of whether it's no power or other issues so that, that was the first thing then the second thing is that we got the the report um, issued uh, through the U.S. Soccer Federation in regards to all of the abuse that's been happening within the National Women's Soccer League in the United States. And as somebody, as a father, as a dad with three daughters, um, I didn't read the report. I went through and read sections of it, and I was just so disgusted by what I read Um I mean, the sexual abuse, the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, everything that was reported there, and I couldn't go any further. And it honestly, it was depressing. I I was sickened to my stomach reading this. I I just had to take a break um, from from talking about soccer. Kartik, what what was your... um, How did it impact you in terms of... um, You probably read the whole thing knowing you. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, same. I was disgusted with the sport, actually. And uh, had it not been a Derek Classicer weekend, I may have sat the weekend out. Uh, so I was just... Uh, oh, I did watch the QPR Reading match on uh, on Friday. That's right. So uh, that that I did. But I was disgusted. I, the report dropped um, Monday, I think. And then I began reading it and stopped. Um, and in fact, the, the point I stopped at, I decided to put on Twitter, hey... 
I've started reading this. I've stopped at this point. And people were like, oh, gosh, you know, maybe people were responding to me, Chris. Maybe you should just stop there. It gets worse. And I was thinking, it can't get any worse. I mean, this is, this is dramatic stuff. And <laughs> it got worse. Uh, it's, uh, and for you, Chris, not only as a father of three daughters, but um, daughters who played in this system, I mean, I can just imagine how it made you feel about uh, the sport and about the U.S. Soccer Federation and uh, NWSL. And, and quite frankly, um, I think I'm, I'm out of it. I, I'm out of uh, U.S. Soccer is out of rope with me after this. I, I, yeah. I quite frankly, I'm, I'm done with that. Well, that was the thing that also upset me, too, is that this has been going on for years. This is not like a, a recent thing. Uh, this is going back, what, um, seven years at least. Um, and top officials knew about this. This is not something that it was, uh, you mean, somebody that that nobody knew. The top levels of, of whether it's U.S. soccer or the NWSL uh, or people within the the actual business of soccer knew about this. So so for me personally, reading some some of the information, not going too deep into it, just because I was disgusted by it, I was like, you mean, we, yes, we wrote about it on worldsoccertalk.com, but for something like this, I think the New York Times and probably The, the Athletic too, I'm, I'm imagining, would have done a, a much deeper dive that would have gone into this in, in more detail. But to me, I was just really disgusted by, by the report, but also just really just um, feeling upset about the, the lack of accountability within U.S. soccer and the NWSL. My, my immediate reaction, Kartik, was let's just shut down the whole league. And, yeah. and I thought I had that feeling for about a day or two. But then afterwards, I was like, OK, well, it's not going to fix anything. I mean, the, the issue is still there. Um, it's, you know, I mean, even if a new league was started up again, you I mean, there's, it, it doesn't necessarily fix, fix the issues. D- do you agree on that one or, or disagree? Yeah, I want the league shut down. I, I, I'm still there. Although I do, I do get that if you form a new women's professional league, you, you have the same cast of characters effectively. Um, I think sponsors need to put pressure and withdraw, uh, from NWSL. I do also think the U.S. women, in spite of their new CBA, uh, and maybe because of their new CBA, they have the leverage. Uh, this is the time to sign uh, contracts in Europe. This is the time to go sign for Lyon or, or for Wolfsburg or, or for Chelsea or Man City. Uh, actually, we've seen some uh, U.S. women at, at all those clubs at some point in the past. Um, I, I, not, I, I assume the environment is safer in Europe. There have been some scandals in England that we know about. But nothing to this extent, and nothing, not, nothing systematic like this, uh, systemic. And I, and I also have to say, I think that there's um, a, a large number of um, U.S. women's national team players that maybe need to step up and be heard on this about what happened uh, to players who were less famous than them, had less prestige than they did, were making less money than them. This has always been an issue within the women's game in this country uh, that has been kind of a dirty little secret that people don't necessarily want to articulate. Uh, there's some that have, like uh, Bo Dorr has been fantastic, right, in his reporting through the years on this. But there's been this dirty little secret that U.S. women's national team players don't necessarily show 
consideration or care about the lesser players, right, in NWSL or pre- prior to that in WPS. There are exceptions. Uh, Megan Rapino has stepped forward. Alex Morgan has for years. Abby Wambach did before that. But um, I think they all have to step forward now and be heard. And uh, if that means their league goes away, their league goes away, unfortunately. And then you reform something. The other option, Chris, I have to say, is to keep the league going, but to really make it a cause about women and promote women ownership um, and women manage uh, people, w- women in management. And that might help to ease the transition. Nothing is going to wash this away, but maybe it becomes more palatable to keep NWSL going then. Uh, but I think the reality is that the thing has to be blown up. Yeah, two, two parts of that. First, first of all, I think to me personally, the system is broken. I mean, for this to go on for that long and for people to know about it for that long. And so far, no accountability other than they're going to bring forward some new programs uh, to help things in the future. Um, But this has been going on for a long time. And and that's the thing, too, you mentioned, too, about the UK. I mean, just as one example. So there were reports from uh, basically sexual abuse that happened in the 1970s. uh, And it was one coach that went from you know, crew to Manchester City and I think it was at Chelsea for a, a period um, those basically people came out to re- report that and, and I believe he was prosecuted uh, recently but for these things to be happening for so long it's just it's just sickening um, the other part of it though too with um, if you do shut down the league is and unfortunately, it affects the girls. It hurts hurts the girls and the women involved in the league. So then they may have to go overseas. And, and the reality is, is that there's not enough places, you may probably for them to find teams to uproot and, and move to different countries. So ultimately, it hurts the, I mean, the actual progression of women's soccer in this country. And and the other thing too, Kantiga, I haven't heard much mention of this so far. Is my concern is there may maybe class action lawsuits or other lawsuits against U.S. soccer and against the NWSL and and we know I mean, you know especially we all know in terms of U.S. soccer the amount of litigation that's going on the millions that they're spending already on um, legal fees uh, with other cases going on this this could really cripple the organization. Yeah, and I, I think uh, we're also looking at a situation where U.S. soccer has uh, consistently um, turned a blind eye to things that are um, difficult, right? They take the path of least resistance in managing the sport in this country, and there continues to be a lot of uh, people grabbing, a lot of graft involved in it. So this is just more of the same from them, and Quite honestly, I do not know how FIFA can continue to hold. Now, of course, FIFA has uh, has promoted uh, Putin. Uh, they uh, got, got this World Cup in Qatar, so I guess it's it's par for the course for them, right? But um, how they can uh, continue to have the U.S. as a co-host um, for uh, for the next Men's World Cup? Now, you could argue the U.S. situation is worse because it is actually systematic systemic issues within the game 
in this country. It's not uh, Qatar. It's a political issue, right? Human rights violations. It's terrible. Um, and and I, they never should have been awarded the World Cup. And, uh, and I applaud Denmark and some of the other countries taking a stand, uh, even though they're going. Obviously, maybe boycotting would have been more effective. But uh, Denmark has qualified, and, 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 but they're taking a stand uh, about Qatar. And then obviously, uh, they were in bed with Vladimir Putin, who's, uh, who's a butcher. Um, and uh, we see what he's doing daily in Ukraine. Um, but uh, you could argue the U.S. situation is more football-oriented, football-centric, and that they, they are not fit to host a World Cup, this federation, given everything we know about them. Now this is the topping on the cake. Um, and so for those who haven't read the report, I think you hit on it really uh, important to stress it again, Chris. Um, it's not just sexual harassment. It's bullying. It's, um, it's mistreatment. It's abuse. Um, so it, it runs the gamut of effectively um, women in a subservient relationship to men or to some women who have enabled predatory men or abusive men. And uh, it's nationwide. And it's uh, um, in the youth ranks. It's in the college system. Uh, it's uh, especially prevalent in NWSL and in uh, academies associated with NWSL clubs. So. Uh, it, it's, it, it's not just because uh, there's some people who haven't read the report who have come back and said, oh, well, you know, obviously this Me Too thing is happening. It, it's probably like CBS News or a couple cases of sexual harassment. It's terrible. Uh, uh, let's uh, deal with that and prosecute those people or whatever and move on. But it's a lot deeper than that if you read this preliminary report. Yeah, so the first blow was the hurricane, the second blow was this uh, report, and then uh, the third blow was that we've been going through some uh, changes at worldsoccertalk.com in terms of upgrading everything from, you mean, the comment sections to the podcast uh, to how basically a lot of back-end changes to the website in terms of how it's been run and uh, the schedules and the app, etc. So we, we went ahead and upgraded all of those. Uh, we're still in the final steps of um, uh, basically improving everything there. So that has also taken a, lot, uh, a big blow in terms of, of time and energy. So those three things combined is the reason that we, di we uh, didn't have a podcast since, I don't know, I think it's like S September 24th, I think it is. So it's been, it's been a couple of weeks. Um, the other thing too, Kartik, and it's, uh, I want to be open and honest and transparent with the listeners too, is that uh, a couple of months ago, we said, okay, we're going to focus more on the Premier League. We're going to do kind of the EPL review show. And I know your life has been busy. And it's always busy. M mine is too. Um, and in some ways, it, I think we made a mistake actually by doing that because it limits the amount of soccer that we can kind of talk about and focus on. And the website, the podcast, everything that we do at worldsoccertalk.com is focused on the world's game. So it's like this, talking about the NWSL situation, talking about, uh, we'll probably talk some Bundesliga in a little bit, uh, so on and so forth. So we've decided to go back to what we've been doing on a weekly basis, which is uh, focusing on the streaming, on the television produ production. Uh, we've got some news we've got uh, coming up uh, shortly in terms of some big uh, announcements about the World Cup, etc., so we're going to kind of really kind of go back to our niche, which is focusing on talking about the things that, that a lot of people don't talk about, which is the television coverage. And it is the streaming coverage and why things are the way that they are. And also um, 
we've always been known as being very honest and outspoken uh, and very opinionated, both positively and negatively. <laughs> but we're just speaking our minds. This is how we we honestly feel. So, so you'll get uh, you'll get uh, our honest thoughts uh, each week. And uh, so, anyway, so for this podcast and moving forward, we're going to be doing the weekly discussion of streaming and TV. Narcotic. <laughs> uh, what about TV and streaming from this weekend? Uh, th- th- let's not go into all the games, but what stood out from you in terms of uh, television or, or streaming of soccer? Yeah, their classic ended up on ESPN Plus, which uh, was very disappointing. I, uh, I guess it's college football season, so uh, maybe should have expected it. Uh, didn't uh, didn't know that. Uh, uh, ABC uh, would show a game, a college football game at the same time, and that ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPNU would all be showing college football games, which uh, I guess is the world we live in, Chris, in the United States. Uh, I, uh, I mean, I'm kind of out of the college football scene. Used to be a big fan, but not really in, into it anymore and, and did not realize uh, every ESPN channel, ESPN or ABC, every Disney channel would be taken up with college football. So that got bumped to ESPN+, Plus, which really – Disappointed me, really upset me. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I, th- I think though, Kotick, with, with that one also, it's the same thing for El Clasico. I think as of right now, El Clasico is going to be on ESPN Plus and maybe ESPN Deportes, but as of right now, it's not going to be on ABC or ESPN. That, that that could change in the next few days. But part of it, though, too, I think is the leagues and and the leagues, whether it's the Bundesliga or La Liga in regards to the scheduling of these games. I mean, they have to, they, they know if they wanted that, that game to be on ABC or ESPN, they could, they'd have to probably change the schedule and, and put it as a, an early game. However, you mean, know, knowing the Germans in terms of the Bundesliga and how, you mean, they're not very commercialized, right? They're, they're focused on the fans. The fans always come first. Um, so it makes more sense to have it in that big 12.30 slot where it's the only game that's happening um, Eastern time in the Bundesliga. So uh, same thing with La Liga too. Oftentimes the scheduling of of those uh, games, if they wanted to, they could schedule it at, at a time where they'll know that ABC and ESPN or, and or ESPN can show those games too. So, but, the, but then again though too, if you're, I mean, does that hurt the Bundesliga, Kartik? Does that help? hurt their growth in the United States by having the game just on ESPN plus. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and this was uh, the first Derek Classicer in four years that was really worth watching from a competitive standpoint. Right. I, I mean, there have been uh, obviously the first match last year, there was a lot of controversy and then Dortmund lost and Holland tweeted about the referee after remember all of that. Uh, but this was a, this was a great match. It was, a, it was, a, it was an entertaining match. It was a match where Dortmund, all the recent demons of Dortmund getting, getting uh, uh, ripped in this, uh, in this rivalry uh, seemed to be coming true again through minute 60. And then the last 30 minutes, uh, after Terzic made some changes, and, and uh, uh, again, they, they don't have Marco Reus, obviously, um, Dortmund, which is a huge blow to them, but they were able to fight back, and um, and Modest gets that goal at the death. I mean, he had missed the sitter earlier, um, and it felt like that missed sitter was, ah, oh, it's typical Dortmund against against Bayern, right? Um, they get themselves in position to, to get something, and they didn't. Um, and this was on ESPN Plus. It wasn't on ABC or ESPN. So I think you don't know before that beforehand. I mean, we've had this conversation before the last 
um, uh, Derek Klassiker, right, which was on ABC, Chris. And you said this is going to be terrible for the Bundesliga if it's a 5-0 match uh, on ABC. And it turned out to be a 5-0 or whatever it was, 4-6-1, something like that on ABC. So you you never know with these things. But I think this was a a blown opportunity, um, which is – which is unfortunate. And then in terms of um, El Clasico, same thing, right? I mean, I guess it's the timing uh, of the match. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and also, maybe it's an incentive for signups for ESPN+. Plus. Oh, for sure, for sure. I have a feeling that within the, the ranks or within the buildings of uh, ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, they're thinking about the Bundesliga, thinking it's probably pretty much maxed out. Uh, that there's not that much more capacity to grow the number of subscribers that are going to specifically want ESPN Plus because of um, the Bundesliga. Now, if Germany wins the, the, the World Cup next month, then there might be a bump in that. But they've maybe maybe feel that they've reached kind of the cap. Um, but but again, too, if if the game was on ABC, does that introduce that league and those teams to a greater audience? Yes. Is it going to make a difference on the ESPN Plus subscription numbers? Maybe. Probably a little bit, but we're not sure. El Clasico and La Liga, I think it's a little bit different where they, I'm sure within ESPN, they imagine that in terms of... Um, La Liga, there's an opportunity to grow that audience in terms of tapping more into the the U.S. Hispanic audience who might be fans of whatever team it may be, but here's an opportunity to go ahead and get them to be fans also of, of a Bundesliga team, um, a La Liga team, pardon me, whether it's Real Madrid or Atleti or whoever it may be. But uh, yeah, no, no, interesting things. The the one game I did miss with everything going on uh, recently, Kartik, was the uh, U.S. women against the uh, English women uh, live from Wembley. Uh, From a TV streaming broadcast point of view, did anything stand out from that one? Yeah, so Ali Wagner... Uh, pre-game, and I should admit I was watching. I mean, my Twitter feed doesn't lie, right? I was watching QPR and uh, Reading, not the U.S. women, but uh, saw saw the clip uh, after. And I was not in the mood to watch the U.S. women, given everything that's happened this week that we've already talked about the report dropping. But um, in response to the discussion of that, I, I and again I've seen the clip. Maybe maybe it's out of context uh, because I did not watch the entire studio show, and and I did see a clip from Alexi Lawless. I liked what he had to say. I mean, I, I think Lawless in these moments he steps up sometimes, right? He 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 uh, he, he he can be perfectly objective, uh, but. Ali Wagner, on the other hand, said that this is a time for sponsors to double down and show they're supporting the women by doubling down on their support of NWSL, which I think is the exact opposite of what sponsors should be doing. And we've already seen since that uh, Alaska Airlines, who is uh, the primary right, the, uh, the primary sponsor, the presenting sponsor of the Timbers and the Thorns, uh, who are in the middle of this controversy in Portland, uh, you know, pull away a little bit. And, and say, okay, um, we're withholding. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly what they're doing. I don't want to mis, uh, mischaracterize this, but they're pulling away for a quarter, it looks like. right? They're not going to give the full allotment of money to the Portland organization for the fourth quarter you know, of yeah. uh, 2022. Um, and I think that's what sponsors have to do. The sponsors have to put the pressure on. The sponsors don't say, hey, uh, that, 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 a, that, that a boy or that a girl, great, great job. We're doubling down. We're going to double our commitment now to NWSL. No, it has to be the opposite. So that was a very, 
bizarre comment. Yeah. And again, I didn't see the show. I saw it out of context, but it was it was I, I saw the reaction on Twitter was similar to mine. And uh, as I said, Lawless, um, I'm forgetting offhand what he said, but I, I said, OK, yeah, Alexi gets it. This is a this is a pretty serious moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ali's comment seems very out of touch. I mean, we, we ha- we've had similar instances happening before with um sponsorships so whether it was the fifa corruption scandal and uh fans actually uh protesting against the sponsors and putting pressure on them and a bunch of them stepped away from uh, sponsoring uh, fifa events we had um stephen cohen the um the you mean radio uh, dj uh in the united states uh talking about all these lies about about liverpool and, and how they were responsible for the hillsborough disaster and there were fans that that took issue with that in large numbers and protested against the sponsors and eventually got him fired from, I think it was at Fox or ESPN, where, wherever it was. Um, and then here we have a situation where I'm sure Ali Wagner is probably thinking, OK, oh, my gosh, if we lose all the sponsors for NWSL, that league could be out of business, right? Like that, that league could be basically having a difficult time paying employees. But that's not the message that should be that should be sending. It should be one of those things that if you can put pr- pressure on anything, put pressure on U.S. soccer, put pressure on her employer, Fox, to say, "Hey, Fox, take a stand against this. Get involved." Uh, discuss this issue. Have have a uh, an open forum on television talking about everything that's been happening and what can we do to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Not tell your sponsors, okay, double down and and, and start uh, you mean paying more money to basically have your brand associated with all all this all these scandals. So yeah, not not good. Out out of touch completely there. All right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, TV streaming news uh, on some brighter news. And uh, it's not breaking news by any means, but let's talk about uh, Fox Sports's announcers uh, that they've uh, announced the final list for the 2022 World Cup that starts November 20th. Yeah, and, and uh, so it's a good segue because we were just talking about Allie Wagner. Uh, she'll be paired with Derek Ray. Um, which was a, a pairing we've had before, Derek Ray and Allie Wagner. John Strong, Stu Holden, obviously, uh, remain the top team uh, for Fox uh, and uh, uh, presumably call uh, the World Cup final. Uh, JP Della Camera and Kobe Jones, that's an interesting team. They've called matches before. Uh, they've done some work together before. Even, uh, um, I think, a few NASL games they did together uh, for One, one World Sports, uh, the dearly departed One World Sports. That got bought by 11 sports, which we will talk about in a, a little bit uh teasing another news item here uh ian dark and landon donovan which should be a really good team i'm pretty excited about that team uh jackie oatley who is uh i think a really good presenter and also has emerged as a good uh commentator uh doing premier league matches she'll be paired with uh warren barton now the studio analysts are very interesting um it's a mix of 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 kind of former fox tournaments uh u.s national team players etc alexi lawless uh, Carly Lloyd, Chad Johnson, who, by the way, I, I uh, have worked with in soccer uh, in, in the, the league that uh, uh, I ran, uh, uh, the adult amateur league I ran, he, uh, he was involved with down in South Florida. So uh, I know he's an NFL player, but he's, he's a soccer guy also, big soccer fan. Uh, Clint Dempsey, uh, Ini Oloku, who uh, obviously was very good uh, during the 2019, was it 2019? 
2019 Women's World Cup, um, Kelly Smith uh, and Moa Du. So that's uh, uh, Kelly Smith's a return uh, veteran now. She's done a couple tournaments with Fox. Studio hosts are going to be Rob Stone, Kate Abdo. Uh, no surprise there. Uh, maybe surprising that we don't have a third studio host rotating in. Uh, perhaps we'll find out about that as we get uh, closer to the tournament. The reporters, Jenny Taft, Rodolfo Landeros, and Jeff Shreves, who I think is familiar to everybody who watches the Premier League, right, and has been for years. Um, and interestingly, the sky is no longer um, aligned with Fox, right? They're aligned with uh, NBC now in this country, but Sh Jeff Shreves uh, coming over to Fox for the World Cup. Tom Rinaldi, uh, formerly of ESPN, is going to be the feature correspondent. And then your rules analysts are going to be Dr. Joe Matchnik and Mark Clattenburg. We heard Clattenburg uh, during the uh, Germany-England game, uh, specifically, right, in, in Nations League um, a couple of weeks ago on Fox. Uh, I, um, I'm kind of disappointed that we don't have uh, uh, Christina Uncle there, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think she, she would add uh, something also, but those are two very solid picks as well, and, and obviously she's uh, doing uh, work for other networks now. So um, I think on paper, a pretty good team for Fox, um, as expected, uh, you know, some of the names on there, maybe I think a little weak in, in, in terms of uh, not having a third studio host that might be able to rotate in. You know, you see the reps it takes, and you see when ESPN hosts tournaments, uh, they, will, they will bring uh, Seb Salazar and Kay Murray and, and, and rotate them in uh, through the tournament. Uh, we saw it with Euro, uh, 20, Euro 2020. Uh, and so that's something I, I'm a little bit uh, concerned about. And then uh, I, I think otherwise, it's basically what we would expect. The question is, uh, for me. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You've got Jackie Oatley and Ian Dark, two high-level UK-based commentators. Um, what matches do you use them on? Do you use them on... On England matches, because it appears, you know, based on where they are in the pecking order, maybe you don't. Um, Ian Dark called the uh, the Euro final last year for Fox, uh, for for ESPN, excuse me, uh, Euro twenty twenty final. So, um, are you going to call? Are you going to use them in in uh, uh, the 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 Australia Denmark game, or are you going to? Uh, which is fine, right? But are you also going to use him uh, maybe in some England games and some other big games, Germany, Spain? The, uh, those sorts of uh, those sorts of matches. That's uh, that's a big question. But I, I think the teams are pretty solid, quite honestly. It, it's a it's a good lineup. And I have to say, Chris, parting thought: Warren Barton has grown on me uh, toward the end of uh, the time Fox had the Bundesliga. I, I think he, his analysis from when they had the Premier League, he wasn't very good. He got better gradually, and by the time they lost the Bundesliga rights, I thought he was he was pretty solid in that Bundesliga studio. So uh, I think he he might do a very good job with Jackie Oatley. Yeah, I think overall, uh, my impressions of the uh, the actual uh, talent list here is that it's very predictable. There's not a lot of surprises here. Uh, these are people that 
were, I mean, they've been doing Fox games for quite some time. Uh, we knew about Ian Dark and Jackie Oatley uh, being signed by Fox um, a while ago, probably a few months ago. And uh, even the, the co-commentators that people were very familiar with. So not a lot of surprises, not a lot of excitement. I mean, it doesn't fill me with like, oh my gosh, I gotta, I can't wait to listen to the commentary of say if it was a John Champion or a Peter Drury, someone like that, or a high-level uh, commentator. Uh, Ian Dark is good, definitely. And, and, and as, as are many of the others too, even Derek, JP, uh, etc. But, um, but they're very, the voices that we're very familiar with and it's not going to make me rush to watch that game just because of the commentators, which is okay because it's the games are the games and the games are the biggest games in the world. Uh, and that's what people will, will be attracted to. One thing that I think is very noticeable about this list uh, is that Fox has decided wisely not to try to get uh, Mexican-American announcers, which is what they did in the 2018 World Cup, where they tried to go ahead and take uh, Mexican-Americans doing games in English. And it was very broken in terms of the English was very broken and very awkward. And I guess with the United States now, maybe with the last World Cup, with the U.S. not in the World Cup, maybe Fox felt that they had to try to go for the Mexican market, Mexican-American markets, just because they didn't have the U.S. Uh, however, this one, this one, they're not doing that. So that's that's really good news. And then, um, yeah, your point, Kartik, I think, I think it's going to be John Strong and Stu Holden for all the big games. It'll be they'll do the opening game. They'll do the final. They'll do all the games for the U.S., and then I think after that, then it's going to be, it depends which game it is. So if it's, um, if it's Wales against Iran, maybe it's Jackie Oatley and Warren Barton or Ian Dark and Landon Donovan. Um, so I, I, I think a lot of it too is going to be based on that. So maybe if, if it's uh, Germany, Germany against um, Japan, it, it's very likely to be like Derek Ray and Ali Wagner. So I think in many ways they're going to look and try to figure out who's the best person for those for those games in terms of uh, you mean their knowledge and uh, of of those games of those teams and players. But yeah, overall, just um, yeah, the Chad Johnson thing too, Ocho Cinco. Uh, it's important to note too that he's going to be involved in the nightly show, the World Cup Tonight show that they're having. So he's not going to be, I don't think, uh, doing a lot of analysis in the studio um, for the early games, like the five o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, eleven o'clock in the morning. He's going to be working mostly on the on the nightly show. Anything else, Kartik, that stood out that's uh, worth mentioning that maybe we forgot to mention there? Yeah, Tom Rinaldi, uh, I, you know, I, I guess it's, I'm not watching uh, American sports regularly. I, I did not know he had moved to Fox, or maybe he's only moving to Fox for the World Cup. I don't, I don't know. That, was, uh, uh, that name surprised me. I, I associate him with ESPN and, and doing big events at ESPN, whether it's uh, um, <laughs> the World, Cup, World Cups in the past or uh, um, big uh, college football uh, things, uh, big ba- Major League Baseball, uh, big tennis tournaments. Uh, so I, uh, that, that surprised me. That's, that's that's a good get for Fox. Yeah, I, I miss uh, Rachel Bonetta. I mean, she's still at Fox Sports, as far as I know, and I think she's still doing maybe the betting side. But um, but that's somebody that would have uh, kind of uh, breathed a lot of new life into into this uh, World Cup uh, entertainment show, maybe the nightly show. But it doesn't look like that's meant to be on that one. Moving on, Kartik. Um, 
MLS regular season just ended. Um, we're now getting ready to go into the playoff period, um, kind of, uh, and basically the round one and, and all the way up to the final. So for the vast majority of the broadcasters in the United States, the local broadcasters, many of them have called their final games, last games for Major League Soccer and for their local regional sports network. And it's radio silence for Major League Soccer. There's been no uh, news, nothing to report. They haven't said anything on the record in terms of what's going to happen for next season. I still think they're trying to figure it all out. They're trying to rush and get everything ready for the season that starts in late February. Uh, we'll see how many of the uh, the local regional sports network uh, announcers and uh, co-commentators will find their way to work at uh, Major League Soccer for the Apple broadcasts. But right now, it's just it's it's a shame in many ways too because there hasn't been an opportunity to give them a big send off to to thank them for all the work they've they've done since 1996. Other than some stories that we've published at worldsoccertalk.com and, and other sites, I'm sure The Athletic have some, has something on it too. But um, it's just a shame that they haven't been given that big send-off. Maybe Major League Soccer will do something uh, by the end of the season, perhaps, on, on television, because they, they, do, they do deserve it. Yeah, I certainly hope so. A great story from Daniel Forestine uh, at worldsoccertalk.com on that. Uh, it's uh, the it's end of an era, and uh, some of those uh, announcers... Uh, commentators are the pe- reasons why people got hooked on soccer in the first place in this country. So um, it's, it's a sad day. I, I mean, I assume a lot of them will, will, will be doing Apple broadcasts, uh, but I'm not sure because that would involve uh, probably calling it from a central studio or uh, some other sort of arrangement. So we'll see, we'll see what Apple has in mind. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, too, from my sources, is that um, they're building a studio in the New York area, but it's not ready yet. Um, and let's say they may actually end up using the studio in South Florida, uh, at least temporarily, until they finish the, no- the New York studio, or the New York region studio. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of moving parts with this, so it will be interesting to see. And, and of course, we will uh, definitely report on it um, at worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, uh, in terms of uh, some other news items, two, two more to go to. And that's uh, no surprise here, but over 66% of viewers plan to watch the World Cup on linear TV. However, the majority of millennials will stream the World Cup. And I think, I think in many ways, too, this is going to be an interesting World Cup, right? Because it's going to be streaming is going to be uh, bigger than ever. However, you're going to get your traditional, maybe older families that will just want to sit in front of the television, turn on Xfinity and watch, I mean, USA against England or what, whichever game it is, and watch it more in through more traditional, sometimes more reliable means than than streaming. Not always, but but sometimes, but. Yeah, no surprise there for me on that one, Kartik. Yeah, no surprise for me either, and, and that's I think uh, probably mirrors viewing trends throughout uh, television in general or throughout media in general, I should say. Uh, we have I have to get out of the habit of calling it television. Streaming is not television, but I still do that. That's true. And then one more news item, and you mentioned this one before earlier about uh, Eleven Sport. Yeah, so Eleven Sport, uh, we, we we've known for a while that the Zone was uh, uh, in the process of, of, of purchasing them. They have completed uh, their swoop for Eleven Sport. It's 
and this gives DAZN um, a window into other soccer leagues and other uh, sport uh, on the streaming side. Uh, DAZN is a, it's a streaming platform itself, obviously, a paid streaming platform uh, that they, uh, they didn't have. So they have a larger inventory uh, of things now. Um, and I should note that FIFA TV is powered by 11 sports. So we, we don't know how this uh, arrangement is going to f- look in the end, but it may be a lot like what we're seeing with uh, DAZN streaming the Women's Champions League, uh, UEFA Champions League, women's, UEFA Women's Champions League, where DAZN is the rights holder. They're streaming it on YouTube. It's not behind their DAZN. It's not on their DAZN pay platform. However, uh, they're bombarded with... Uh, incentives to sign up for the zone's pay platform when you uh, when you watch the women's champions league so i i'm assuming that might be the same thing we get with 11 sports all right let's move on to the listener mailbag first up is daniel and daniel is talking about major league soccer here daniel says i think it's very selfish of major league soccer to get rid of the regional broadcast networks i think that mls needs to think about who they are hurting here Yes, it's, it'll probably be a win for MLS and Apple, and even that's being hopeful. But it's going to take a lot of jobs away from people in, in the industry. What are your thoughts? I also know that they don't have regional sports networks in Europe for, fo- for football, and here we do things differently. Not a huge fan of MLS, but I, I, I like listening to Steve Cangelosi and Shep Messing during Red Bull games. Narcotic. For me personally, I mean, I, I remember the Sunshine Network. I remember Fox Sports Regional. And I remember in the 90s, the 90s were a big deal for uh, your local sports regional network. And depending where you are in the country and depending um, how much of a fan you are of your local teams, you may be kind of a hardcore regional sports network uh, viewer, or you may not be. Like for me personally, I can't remember the last time I, I watched any broadcast from a, a regional sports network. I'm watching you mean, everything through streaming. Now, streaming on ESPN Plus may actually show the broadcast from the regional sports network, but I'm not watching it through. I'll tell you how irrelevant they've become. I, I, uh, the, 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 the one thing I really still follow outside of soccer, I follow golf too, but the one uh, uh, team sport is uh, – uh, college basketball, Miami Hurricane college basketball in particular. And there have been times in the last year or, or two years where UM basketball games have not been on the ACC network or on ESPN. And I thought, oh, geez, why aren't they showing this game? And it's turned out I've missed the game on the regional sports network because those things still exist. And there's like there's an occasional game that's not on uh, an ESPN linear channel because uh, the ACC network obviously is ESPN also, uh, and it falls to a regional sports network. It's you know maybe two or three matches a se- uh, games a season. That's it. So um, and that's it. Like I kind of forgotten that they even exist. Other than that, um, yeah, I do remember the days. I mean, uh, yeah, a good shout out on on uh, Cangelosi and um, and. Uh, uh, Shep, uh, that's one of the better teams, and I, uh, I actually would like to hear more Steve Cangelosi calling uh, Champions League, Serie A, uh, leagues that he knows pretty well. Um, he, he, he's actually, you know, I think one of the better um, American commentators of, of this sport, uh, but he's never really gotten... I, he, he did some Serie A matches somewhere, right? At once upon a time? Maybe. Um, he's, done, he's done World Cups before for, I think, ESPN. Yeah. That, that he has. Yeah. That's true, right. And I think he's done Serie A for whoever, maybe when ESPN Plus had it, mm-hmm. right? But now at CBS, he's not 
calling matches. But he's a guy I'd like to uh, like uh, to see hear more of. And I think there's um, a real expertise among the guys who were calling matches for regional sports networks in the 90s, uh, the Dave Johnsons, the Dwight Burgesses, uh, who is not calling Columbus games anymore, but did for a long time, uh, 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 Cangelosi, Joe Tolleson, yep, right? Yep. Um, that I don't think the guys who necessarily call soccer now that are newer announcers have. Um, so I have a real fondness for those guys. Maybe, again, it's our age, Chris, and the attachment to – uh, in the 90s, watching these guys. And I, I mean, at the time, that's how I watched M- MLS. I consumed MLS through the, re- through the MLS direct kick or whatever it was yeah. called package in 98, 99, 2000, that time period, and was hooked on, on those broadcasts. I mean, and actually the Cangelosi uh, messing one would be the team that stood out for me. If you want to uh, elevate one team, that would be the, it would be those two guys. Yeah, for me, this uh, the whole uh, local regional sports networks, to me, it's good riddance, and and I don't mean that because of the actual commentators. I mean that because of black blackouts, and the whole blackout situation in this day and age is ridiculous. I mean, you can live you can live within sixty miles of a MLS uh, team and have the game blacked out. But however, in that region where you live, sixty miles away from that team, uh, you may not have access to the local regional sports network that's actually showing the game, and that happens nationwide in in different cities where you're you're blacked out from watching it the game and i mean you're you're not you can't even get the channel to watch the game legally if you want to so it just adds so many curveballs it makes the whole viewing experience very difficult and with major league soccer moving to apple it makes a lot of sense because you mean if you want if you're a cord cutter fantastic you can watch every single game never have any blackouts never have any issues just just subscribe and watch and if you want to watch some of the games on television we'll have to wait and see what happens with that that we don't as of right this moment as of recording this podcast the 2023 season for major league soccer is not going to be on television now i'm sure some of those games will be on television but those deals have not been signed yet. So so there's a lot of question marks still happening, which is ridiculous at this point in time where we're so close to the end of 2022. However, um, the streaming does give a lot of benefits and uh, and is, is where everything's heading anyway. All right, let's move on to... Um, this is a question from David. David says, question for the pod... Do you know of any development of a way to make changing streaming uh, streaming streams like changing channels on linear TV? So do you know a way of changing streams like changing channels on linear TV? I love watching soccer via streaming, but switching from a game on ESPN Plus to Peacock, for example, takes several steps. Leave one stream, select the other service, wait for it to load, find the second game, wait for it to load. It would be great if uh, there was just one step like it does when switching from ESPN to FS1. Thanks and great job on the pod. So I, um, I've had this problem too, David. Uh, I... Uh, uh, even had the problem this weekend. I, I'll, I'll concede that I uh, we didn't talk about the Premier League. I, I was uh, in ESPN Plus for the or Hulu, whichever one for the Bundesliga, and uh, obviously there was a game on USA. But I, I, I the game the Premier League matches that had some interest to me were on uh, 
um, were on Peacock. So I, I didn't do it because it would have been it, it was cumbersome. And then it's like, OK, then maybe I go back into uh, ESPN plus to go back to the Bundesliga stream and the stream isn't as good or, you know, the picture quality. And then I lose the picture in picture, all of that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know of a way, Chris. Maybe, you know, a way. Yeah, I've got two solutions. One is Apple TV does have a picture in picture. So it's not going to be uh, changing channels like on a TV remote control, but you can do picture in picture. So you can have, say, Paramount Plus showing I don't know, Inter against Roma, and then you can also have the picture in picture showing um, whether it's Peacock or, or whichever other streaming service you're using. Um, one of these days, we'll go ahead and probably put together a video of how that works step by step and, and how you can do that. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing would be and it's not exactly what David's looking for, but on Fubo TV, you can go ahead and favorite your channels that you watch the most often. So you can favorite, for example, USA Network, uh, and you can favorite maybe the Fubo Sports Network for the the games it shows exclusively. Maybe it's the um, you mean UEFA Nations League. So it's the Fubo Sports Network, and you have USA Network. And then maybe you have one other channel, I don't know, CNBC or NBC favorited. So with Fubo, with the remote control, if you go uh, press the button for down, uh, I think twice, you can then actually uh, go from your favorite channel to your favorite channel uh, without having to hunt and peck through the actual Fubo TV interface. So so it's not exactly what David is looking for, but um, if you do subscribe to Fubo, and you do want to go within Fubo to watch those channels, it's a lot easier than trying to go, you know, hitting like 10 buttons to try to get the channel that you're looking for to, to, to change it. Good questions, though, from David there. Uh, RJ talks about the World Cup. RJ says, as always, I enjoy the shows and content. Did you guys cover the Ian, the Ian Dark to Fox News Bite on a podcast back in early August? I don't recall hearing it. If not, what are your thoughts? I would take uh, Ian Dark any day of the week to call the U.S. men's national team games over Fox's other talent. Am I in the minority? So... I th- maybe we covered it. Maybe we didn't cover it. Uh, we definitely covered it on the website on worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, we may have missed out on the news on the podcast, though, depending on timing of that. However, yeah, John Strong and Stu Holden, Kartik, I, I, it's, I, I, I think in many ways they're, they're, it's, it's just as the list of uh, Fox's announcers was very predictable, their broadcasts are very predictable. I never walk away from a John Strong and Stu Holden uh, broadcast thinking like, oh my gosh, I just learned something interesting. Um, it's it's almost like background sound, background noise. It's it's there, I can hear them, but they're not saying anything of interest. They're just kind of adding a, a sound uh, to the game. Ian Dark, Ian Dark will say things sometimes. It'll make me stop to think, and we'll and we'll I'll be like, oh wow, okay, I, I didn't realize that, or some interesting things. Um, I I prefer Ian Dark than John Strong, absolutely. But uh, but Fox is all in on John Strong and Stu Holden. Both of them are good. It's just I think Ian Dark's miles better. Yeah, and, and I would say the same thing about Derek Ray. Derek Ray, you, you generally learn something um, 
when you listen to him. And I, I know we, we beat up on Allie Wagner for her, her tone-deaf comment earlier in the show, uh, but she, yeah, I actually tend to learn something often when she's the co-commentator, so that would yeah. be a good team, Ray and Wagner. Um, Strong and Holden, not really. I mean, I, I think their they're broadcasts are very stat-driven. Um, I do think Holden is a pretty good analyst, right? He tells you... Uh, he 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 has a good he has a good way of explaining kind of what he sees tactically going on, right? Yeah, uh, and, and and maybe uh, being kind of simple with it because Strong talks more than most commentators. But yeah, do you learn anything new from them? Not really, no. And and you do from the Derek Rays and the Ali Wagners and the Ian Darks and uh, I think uh, Landon Donovan. I mean, when he when he uh, uh, did uh, commentary, what was it, 2016 Copa America? Is that right? Um, I thought he was pretty good. So um, he and Herc Gomez were the two stars that came out of that tournament. And obviously Herc Gomez has gone on to bigger and better things with ESPN. Uh, Donovan is uh, maybe this is a breakout tournament for him. Yeah. Stu Holden reminds me of early Taylor Twellman. And early Taylor Twellman was somebody that uh, provided analysis but was very guarded in some of the things he said. And then he he started to be more honest. He started to be more critical, critical in a good way, right? I mean, it's that, that's what that's what you want the co-commentator to be. Somebody that's going to call people out, or sometimes is going to point out different things that are going right or wrong or mistakes or things that can be improved, but being completely honest with the actual viewer. And Stu Holden, for the most part, is very much very guarded very i mean a recent game and i i think i tweeted this the usa against saudi arabia game uh he started finally to kind of open up and be critical about the us's us's performances in that game and in so many other games in the past before too where the us has not been that good or been underwhelming he would hold judgment i i think in some ways he doesn't want to kind of lose that us audience it uh, doesn't want to see, be seen as being critical, perhaps. Whereas Marisa Du, who's also part of Fox's team, but uh, I guess he does cold commentary for CBS, but is always in the studio for Fox, does. He is critical of the U.S. So um, uh, in during matches. So that was why at one point, Chris, I was thinking maybe, you, you know, as much as I do like Stu Holden, maybe Marisa Du should be paired with John Strong. Um, so... Uh, that was a, a, yeah. a start for maybe well, Holden uh, keeping that, that keeping that mantle. Yeah, that, well, that's a good point, Kartik, because it, it is one of those things with John Strong and Stu Holden. Is it, it has been predictable? It's been become like, like I said before. It's like wallpaper, or just like like just sound background sound. They've been partnered so much together that um, it doesn't stand out anymore. So if you did have a Modu and John Strong, the dynamic would be different. I mean, it would be a little bit of kind of stepping over each other a little bit, but it'd be different. And both John Strong and Stu Holden are good, um, but together it just it, it's a little bit predictable. It's a little bit boring, to be honest with you. And if that's your A team at Fox, which it is, right, from the last World Cup to this World Cup, that is your A team. They're calling all the big games. They're not going to say anything stupid. They're not going to upset any sponsors. They're not going to upset the U.S. fans. They're just going to commentate on the game. They're going to pack in a lot of stats. Um, it'll be interesting, Kartik, actually, to see how much MLS they talk about. I mean, that is the comfort zone. That is what they watch and follow most. 
However, if Fox doesn't have a lot of MLS rights for 2023, does that affect how much they talk about MLS, how much they, they play up that angle? And especially with a lot of the American players on the squads playing in Europe and not so many of them playing within Major League Soccer, that will be an interesting thing to watch in terms of do they change at all or do they kind of st- stick with what they do? And what they do is okay. It's just like like we said before to, from RJ, I mean, to me, Ian Dark's better because there's always something interesting he says. Sometimes it's not stats. Sometimes it's just something that happened. Uh, it's, it seems more personal. And with John and Stu Holden together, it's almost like not robotic, but it's almost like it's like someone's hitting play on the tape and off they go. And you know exactly what's going to happen. And you come back a little bit later and it still sounds the same. <laughs> uh, anyway, good feedback there. Kartik, last point here on the uh, questions and listener mailbag is directed at you. It's from Dave. Dave says... Kartik usually makes good points, but the statement that the U.S. men's national team should see qualifying for the World Cup as an achievement is absurd. Granted that Berhalter is not a good coach and USSF have a lot of accumulated um, uh, rot to clear, nepotism, cronyism, favoritism, etc., and the team is inexperienced, U.S. men's national team is still a top 20 squad in a week. confederation that gets three automatic bids and a fourth that was very likely once CONCACAF drew OFC. U.S. men's national team are too talented to be celebrating a finish ahead of Panama. U.S. MNT may well, may, may not well uh, get out of the group, uh, Group B, but as you note, it is a group with other teams that may also have a, be a hit, hit or miss. So Kartik, shots fired. Yeah, I, I I I actually agree with the analysis uh, that uh, that the USSF ha- has a rot and Burhalter is not a particularly good coach. He's an ideologue. I, mean, I don't know that he's not a good coach. I, I think he might be a very good coach at a club where he's able to use the transfer market to apl- acquire players that play his style. But you can't do that at the national team level. Uh, so he's the wrong coach. He's the wrong fit. Uh, because of that, I think it's an accomplishment. You have a very young team, an inexperienced squad. Uh, Belgium didn't qualify uh, for the Euros or the World Cup uh, in, in 2010 and 2012 as Hazard was coming of age, as Lukaku was coming of age, uh, as uh, you know, Fellaini. And, and some of the other guys they had, uh, Vertonghen, uh, et cetera, Alderweireld, Vermalian, that group company, right? That group didn't qualify because they were very young. Uh, we've seen it with the Dutch. Uh, the Dutch, uh, uh, in fact, uh, didn't expect to qualify for the World Cup in 2006. They did with a young squad, uh, but then used that kind of to build and said, hey, Marco von Boston was saying, okay, Euro 2008. Um, World Cup 2010, that's what we're focused on. And obviously, they were the best team at Euro 2008, just had that stunning result against Russia, right? That loss in the quarterfinals. Uh, And then 2010 uh, got to the final of the World Cup. So I think it is an accomplishment. But I do echo the sentiment that, one, the Federation is, uh, is, is full of nepotism. It's, there's a rot. Uh, they're worse than ever. Uh, I, I, we've made our comments about the Federation earlier in the show. Uh, that's how we feel about them. Burhalter is probably the wrong fit. And CONCACAF is very easy. So I should put my uh, comments in some context. Um, I think it's an accomplishment. However, finishing below Canada and qualifying is not good. And I think Canada, 1 to 11, may be better than the U.S., 
but they don't have the depth, right? They don't they absolutely do not have the depth. And they went through a lot of qualifying without uh, 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 Alfonso Davies. They went a lot of the uh, uh, qualifying without, I'm blanking on his name, uh, uh, the, the central midfielder. So they, um, they don't have the depth. They lost two of their key players, Estacio, that's who I'm thinking of, two of their key players, and they uh, still uh, finished ahead of the United States. So that, that's, a, that's an issue, and this is a, not a vintage Mexico squad. So, yeah, maybe point well taken, actually, given how bad CONCACAF is. This isn't a vintage Costa Rica squad, right? I don't think Costa mm-hmm. Rica expected to qualify this time, uh, right. but they did. And Panama is completely rebuilt, completely different team than, than what qualified in 2018. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe you're right, actually, now that we talked this through. Yeah, and the other thing about this, too, is that Canada has got a much tougher group in the World Cup, in my opinion. They've got Belgium, Croatia, and then Morocco. Um, I think the U.S. squads, the U.S. group is a little bit easier. However, at the end of the day, it's a cup competition. You never know what's going to happen. It it all depends on the team that shows up and you know, the team that you're facing. So uh, so Canada's got a, t- a tough time. So t- two more two more things real fast just about Fox's coverage, too, because we have mentioned it to date. Uh, we did mention on the website that Fox is going to have a float in the... Uh, Macy's uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City, and they're going to have a uh, U.S. soccer float, uh, which should be interesting, too, because, you mean, of course, maybe they'll have a Christian Pulisic uh, inflatable above the the float. But whatever it takes, I mean, in in some ways, from a marketing perspective, in terms of mainstream America, that is a good way to go ahead and remind people like, hey, tune in tomorrow for the, uh, I mean, the day after Thanksgiving for the England-USA game. And then the thing about the England-USA game, too, and this is, again, we reported this at worldsoccertalk.com, is that um, Fox's executive producer that's in charge of the World Cup coverage uh, is expecting that game between England and the United States to be in the top five most uh, ranked or most watched uh, soccer games ever in the United States, which is going to be some... If if you can pull it off, some some amazing accomplishment because you have, I mean, you have women's World Cup finals in that. You have World Cup finals. Uh, they've gotten, you mean, anything from sixteen to twenty-seven million viewers. So to go ahead and be in that top five for a group stage game. Um, on Black Friday, when people are busy and also there's a lot of other sports going on, will be a huge accomplishment. However, the Fox's executive producer did say that uh, he expects the uh, United States to beat uh, Wales. It's a straightforward game and that for England to win their first game. So as those two uh, teams get to play that Black Friday game, uh, both of them will go in there on a high. Okay, um, <laughs> which I took personal yeah, offense to personally, <laughs> as someone that uh, is Welsh and also American. But I was thinking that the game between Wales between and, the, uh, and USA is going to be tough. The, yeah, between the American media uh, uh, writing off Wales and, and 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 laughing at Wales and the British media pretending like they, they you know they're they don't exist and they're not they're not uh, a home nation, right? I mean, the BBC gives equal coverage, but not Sky doesn't. Uh, you know, I think Wales might have a pretty big chip on their shoulder in this group. I, I wouldn't bet against them. That's my personal yeah. opinion. I, I think that they, uh, Rob Pages might be using that stuff. Michael Sheehan also to motivate them. For sure. Uh, so, 
So uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, listeners, uh, it's good to be back, and uh, thank you for staying with us. Thank you for listening. Uh, definitely uh, continue giving us that feedback. There's a bunch of different ways you can do it. You can do it through uh, voicemail. Uh, which is 561-247-4625. You can also send us an email, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, on the website, worldsoccertalk.com, there's a podcast thread, and you can leave your comments in uh, the latest episode. And then there's Twitter, and Twitter is at worldsoccertalk. And then Facebook, of course, is facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Kartik, where can everyone find you on Twitter if they want to follow everything from politics to soccer coverage to, um, to, to your general thoughts about many different topics? Uh, KKFLA737. All right, listeners, it's good to be back. Thank you so much for your patience. Uh, we will be back again next week with another episode. We're getting uh, closer and closer to the World Cup and uh, closer also to Champions League returning to, of course, next week. Uh, Kartik, uh, I know what you'll be doing, but uh, what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. <laughs> <laughs>